Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Work in Progress podcast. Today, I'm with my guest, Eric Didier, and we're going to talk about his journey and his life as a young entrepreneur. Thank you so much for having me. Um, quickly introduce myself, Eric Didier, known as Dids, uh, Chief Creative Officer of the Urban Misfit Ventures. Awesome. And to anyone in the audience or listeners that doesn't know what Urban Misfit Ventures is, could you kind of give them a little bit of background as to the, what the business is and what it does and what it's about? Yeah, so we're an influencer marketing company specializing in kind of video content, social media content. So we can take any person, any brand, any individual, any business and put them on our platform and help them reach whatever audience they're looking to achieve through new media techniques and not so much the old radio television style, but create different storytelling concepts and videos that will allow them to reach their target audience. Very, very cool. So in this episode, I kind of want to highlight, you know, where you got your start in terms of video and kind of what led you to become a part of this business and kind of what inspired you to start creating on LinkedIn as well. So can we kind of take it back to the very early days, Eric? Where did you grow up? Uh, where were you born? All that fun stuff. So I was born and lived in my whole life and currently live about 25 miles north of the city of Milwaukee in a town called Port Washington. Um, grew up there my whole life. Love it. It's beautiful, like city of 10,000. So it's very much uh, one of those cool spots on the lake that you kind of take for granted. There's a lighthouse down here. And I brought Q once before our Tough Mudder and we kind of took a run down to the lighthouse. And, you know, I turned around and I'm like, it was like the most beautiful sunset and there was color and everything. And he's like, man, this is beautiful. And I'm like, I think I'm going to cry. Like, I don't realize how beautiful this city is. Like sometimes it's just, it, it's a beautiful place, but yeah. So that's, that's my, my upbringing. That's awesome. And what was it like growing up there? Kind of what were you into uh, kind of things you were into as a kid growing up and stuff like that? Yeah. So I grew up really wanting to be a NASCAR driver. Uh, I don't know why, but that was just kind of my thing as a four to eight year old kid and then got into soccer and sports and athletics and really got into baseball a lot in high school and track and kind of had scholarships in the line for both of those but I threw out my shoulder playing baseball in in my junior year I believe and then lost all of that lost all of that athleticism lost all of those scholarship opportunities and kind of stopped being athletic Damn, that's tough. So what was that like at that point in time? Like, were you kind of like banking on that, you know, being a high school junior and like that being your future? Like, did you ever think about going pro and and kind of how did that life moment affect you? So I, I never really thought about going pro. I, I wanted to be, I, I liked playing baseball. I didn't, I think for me when I was a, like junior, senior in high school, like I knew that I was mature and I knew that I could like handle situations, but I think for me, there was a very large gap between what I thought being a professional would be and what being a professional would actually be. And I think a part of me knew that. So really, it like it's weird because as a high schooler, I never really had these big aspirations. Like I wanted to be good, but you know, my aspiration was to improve on small things, have a better curveball that I can control, or you know, not get behind in the count so often and start with that first pitch strike. And, you know, I was, I was really focused on small tasks, which may or may not be a benefit today, you know, but that was kind of how I approach things like that. Yeah, definitely. So um, in terms of like 
just throwing out your shoulder and everything like that. Do you feel like that was a moment to kind of reevaluate what the future was going to look like? Did that impact like what schools you were planning to go to in terms of college? Yeah. So I, I knew that I wanted to go to college for something creative already. I think I had a creative mind and I was starting to kind of transition from athletics to a creative side already. I was kind of making YouTube videos on the side and I knew that I had that kind of creative knack, but I didn't really know where that fit or where that would be, whether that was, yeah, I mean, I couldn't draw. That was definitely something that wasn't going to be an artistic value of mine, but I could do general graphic design. I could do general video editing and I, I want to go to college to kind of figure it out and figure out where that lies for me and, and what I thought might hit. I didn't really have like a set. I want to do this. I want to be this, but I was just like, I'm creating YouTube videos. You know, I didn't really know what the steps were to become a big YouTuber, but I knew that if I kind of worked on my craft in high school, maybe I could find a graphic design job or a video production job and then maybe freelance the YouTube thing to be something. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. So how, in terms of like your family and everything like that, like how is, were your parents super supportive about you kind of wanting to pursue a more uh, creative career path? They were actually really supportive. And I think it was, it was kind of one of those things at first where my parents went to school, but never really like didn't go the four-year degree path. So I never really had that push to go to college which was nice. I mean, I, they didn't necessarily help me financially, which also in my mind was nice. I didn't really have any of that help. It was kind of just a, whatever I decided to do, I kind of had to make or break on my own sort of thing. And I think that taught me a lot, but they were really supportive of it. I think the whole YouTube thing was, you know, when I was doing it, it was still in its uprising of like being a norm. So they kind of were like, okay, but like, really, how does that make money? And really, how does that look, you know, long term sort of thing? And, you know, no, nobody really knew back then. And it was still kind of the, the dark age back when like Machinima was the main YouTube partnership. And that was like it, it was no real YouTube partnership yet. Even there were no MCMs, there was nothing like that. So it was really just a, a matter of finding that stride. And I knew I wanted to be like, this big, you know, that was back when Call of Duty commentaries were big and CNanners and Hodge and Machinima. And I was, I, was, I wanted to be on that team. And I, I didn't know how to get to that point, but I just started making content and figured I made content. I should be up there too. But no idea that like my content was terrible. I was using a $20 Walmart mic that you could barely understand and stuff. So like, yeah, it was, it was interesting, but they were really supportive of it. And still this day are, I mean, when I took that step into like, hey, I'm quitting my job to like start a business. Even for that, it was way more support than I anticipated. You always like, you're scared to say that to your parents because you're like, yes, I have a nice, steady, cushy job that's paying me what I need to be paid. But yeah, I'm giving all that up to pursue a dream. <laughs> <laughs> No, definitely, definitely. I feel like in, I'd be in the same boat too if I ever went that route. Cause like so far in my life, my parents have been super supportive of like everything I've done, but it hasn't, everything I've done, I guess, has kind of fallen like quote unquote, like in line with what most people are like supposed to do. Like I went to college, I did that, I got a full time job, but I know for myself, like eventually entrepreneurship will be something I want to like pursue so I think for them both kind of owning their own business I think they're going to be excited for me but also like oh I hope you know what you're getting yourself into because uh it's gonna be a lot of work because that's like the definitely yeah. the one lesson I took away from watching my parents uh 
kind of work for themselves is like it does not stop like ever. And that's kind of what pushed me initially towards wanting a a job because I was like, I want to have like space between work and life. And now I'm like, no, I like think I was just pushing that off. And I like really am meant to just like do my own thing eventually. But we'll see. So so you kind of referenced a few things there in terms of your YouTube channel and everything like that. I'm curious to know, and I'm sure most people listening would be like, what was your YouTube channel about? Um, Kind of like, you know, were you able to grow it? What did that look like in that point of time? Yeah, it started off as like, okay, so my first YouTube video was actually a guitar cover way, way back. Oh, gosh, 2012, 11-ish-ish. It was like recorded in 144p and like 10, 15 frame rate. Like just, oh my gosh, it would be horrible to watch if it is still up there somewhere. But yeah, so <laughs> then I, I, yeah, I, if I find it, I will definitely <laughs> throw a link. Um then I transitioned into gaming commentaries and wanting to be like I was semi-pro in Call of Duty Black Ops 1 and did the whole commentary route and fell off the table a little bit competitively but still had that kind of group of friends that wanted to do like the editing and the the cool COD edits that were happening at the time and you know I learned After Effects that way and edited even vlog content in After Effects which is anybody that's listening is going to cringe at the sound of that but so yeah it started there and then it developed into other games and other ideas i wanted to vlog but i didn't really have a camera that could vlog i had a camera that i thought was like yeah i'll do this for youtube but it doesn't have video auto focusing and i just didn't know anything about cameras at the time so i kind of just bought what the internet said was good and didn't realize that it wasn't the right fit for me specifically so i went down that route and then got into YouTubing and Twitch streaming kind of cohesively back when and before Twitch affiliates were even a thing. And I really got into live streaming different kinds of games because I knew that I wasn't good at games, but I was a good personality. And I think that that's at the time what separated me. So then I started to kind of mold the two together a little bit. And then I took a admittedly a little inspiration from the PewDiePie and kind of did the whole clickbait indie game thing for a while. And that led to some really super successful videos. But I mean, looking back at it now, the integrity of those videos is not at all what I live up to today. So it's kind of hard to go back on those, even though, you know, admittedly at the time, like you want to get views, that's everybody's dream. And at some point you make sacrifices to get those views. And I found a bit of a formula that worked and it worked (laughs) to the tune of like, you know, three or four videos that have 500,000 views that just, strike the seo and have those key terms that everybody searches for and it's just some dumb indie game that takes 10 minutes to play through but so then i transitioned into that and then created a new channel with a new branding about two and a half three years ago and then redid my twitch streaming to a more authentic style a more me style where i knew that it wasn't necessarily focused on gameplay but more community and then created a really good community playing chess and games like that and letting people come and and play against me and having that community of, you know, I suck at chess. You're probably a grandmaster. I still want to play you because you'll beat me and very easily, but we're having this connection. We're having this communication and maybe I learned something and I did, I ended up being a few grandmasters and stuff over time. So like there's definitely that fun to it. And then I transitioned kind of that into the new YouTube channel, which is now more of like, me and authentic and like tutorial based and just more of like a giving back like camera reviews and guides and 
Adobe Premiere tutorials or whatever, LUT packs, transition packs, whatever I end up coming with at the time. Yeah, that's awesome. That's kind of like the Eric that I knew of. So like, it's awesome to hear this like whole gaming thing has been such a big part of your life because I don't know, it just kind of shows you like the power of um, content and like the p- content that you put out to people can have such a different perspective, like perception based on like who you're reaching, right? Like I totally saw you as like the gear, like video editing kind of like personality, but I'm sure you have like people who have subscribed to your YouTube channel that probably like just love your live streams and stuff like that. So that's really cool to hear. Um, and also like some things I'm curious about um, is like, how how was it like being on these platforms like so early? Because it sounds like you were on Twitch before it was as big as, as big as it is now. And like YouTube, it seems like you were both early on those. So like just out of curiosity, what was it like kind of being on those platforms? Was it kind of weird at the time? Because not that many people were on it. It was definitely weird. I think it was starting, like, I think I hit both platforms when they were kind of becoming into their own. So, like, when I started on YouTube, there wasn't really, like, the big other conglomerates that are there today to partner channels and get AdSense revenue and stuff like that. And then on the same token on Twitch, I was there before affiliates were a thing. So, it was either not partnered or partnered. And there was a very fine line with very, very strict restrictions on who that was. And it was really difficult for both at the time for me to get. And I didn't get either, which I mean, is always somewhat to some extent a letdown, but I still had fun. And I think not getting those partnerships on at the time for both platforms helped me to become who I am today because I started to stream to become more charismatic in front of cameras and less shy in front of communities of people. And like, that was always the underlying reason, whether or not I showed it or told it, that was always in the back of my head because I knew that eventually I'd have to get over that because I really was a shy kid in high school. And I knew that I had to break that mold. And I mean, I didn't really have any friends locally. So I just found my friends online and arguably I still text more friends that I've had follow me on Twitch than I've met in person. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome. Yeah. I feel like some of my most quality relationships were met through people I met on LinkedIn. So I can totally agree with that too. And it's, funny too because like a year ago I would have never thought to have like been that person or like to be the kind of person to have like internet friends because like um my boyfriend like buys and sells clothes and so uh he would like be texting like someone he like sells clothes to or whatever and I'm like oh are you texting such and such like that's so funny that you guys like talk on a regular basis he you buy like he buys your clothes but then I think about it I'm like yeah well I'm like staying at my friend's house that I've never met in person, but I'm friends with them on LinkedIn and I've talked to them before. So yeah, internet's crazy. And like, until you really get into like being on it on a consistent basis, I think it shows you like how many people are also on it and like into the same things you are. So it's really cool to see. Um, And so, okay. So we kind of went through that point in your life and it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like a really cool time. Um, I guess one more thing I want to talk about before we move forward in in terms of like the Urban Misfit Ventures and kind of like the whole backstory behind that is how did you become pro or semi-pro in in Call of Duty? (laughs) And also like what are your thoughts on this whole like esports thing that's like now blowing up? And like I, I, I know nothing really about video games, so I think it's 
it's pretty fascinating, but I also think it's interesting how it's becoming like I feel like 2018 was like the year that esports entered the mainstream. Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, I was even semi, I mean, Black Ops 1 was way, way, way back when. So there really wasn't an established MLG. There really wasn't an established like Twitch wasn't a thing really even back then. I think it was still Justin.tv, which was way, way, way back ago. And really nobody was streaming. It was all YouTube content. And I, I, I honestly, I don't really know how I got into it. Like I, it slips my mind how exactly I got into it, but like there would be matches where it would be like a capture the flag and we would just dominate. We just go in and absolutely dominate. And I knew that I, I wasn't like top 10 in the world and I didn't really have aspirations to be, but like I found a group of friends and we accidentally became top 100 and were able to, you know, go and apply to tournaments and succeed and, you know, compete with those that are, that are definitely up there. And I liked that game a lot and the newer ones lost me and I just started to not do as well, but it was, it was an interesting time. And even like now with esports, it, it fascinates me because as I fell out of actually being the gamer, then I fell into being the photographer. So I've also photographed esports events and like, it blows my mind how so there'll be like a main stage and then like a secondary stage and then typically there'll be like 64 stations set up for like open bracket they call it so it's kind of like the teams that aren't top teams that can play to be like the lower seed in the actual like round robin and just the amount of trash talking that goes on at those stations as i'm taking pictures i'm like raising the camera off my face like did I seriously just hear that happen? Like they just are nonstop on each other and it's just ridiculous. But I love how it's coming into fruition. And I think that those that are against it are going to very soon be sorry that they were. And I think that gamers are going to like gaming is going to start to be known as a real profession. So for example, the NBA 2K league, they just had their expansion draft today, actually for the new teams. Like they are, professionals like they sign contracts and come to market for five to seven months out of the year on like thirty thousand dollars and live here and play in this market and do those things like that is their job whether they know it like it hate it whatever that is their job so it's it's super cool how that's developing that's crazy. Okay, this is so cool because I'm like learning about esports because I know I have no idea. Okay, so esports like when you sign a contract, you have to like, play a certain amount. Like you, you're that's like what your contract is. Like as if you were like an athlete, like or not. I yeah. I mean, they're not at. It's not it's, athletes. They're gamers. It's different but, for every game. It's different for every league. Okay. So like NBA 2K has like subsidiary teams based on the NBA team. So like. Bucks GG is Milwaukee Bucks. You know, they have Cavs Legion, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have like LA Lakers and, you know, Timberwolves just got a team too. And so like that league is specifically like subsidiary teams to the NBA and they're separate, but they're also kind of like together in a sense. And then there's the Overwatch League, which is cities. So now they're playing with like a city based thing, just like Major League Baseball, just like national hockey league just like all of those leagues are doing Mm -hmm. city based and now you have i mean especially in california by you it's freaking huge um but then there's mlg which is just like individual teams like your optic gaming like your phase clans and stuff like that so it's it's interesting each game is a little bit different and each game contractually is different you know sometimes it's per team and you can trade like i know that major league of gaming has 
their Call of Duty teams that can sign and release players and trade players as they need. And it's kind of always, you're always kind of to an extent on the chopping block. Wow. Crazy world. We're living in a crazy time. For video games. <laughs> I know. This is all for video games. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I have no idea how I feel about esports. I, I just think it's cool. Like, I just feel like when something comes up, like I heard that... um like ninja was on the like the first gamer ever to be on the cover of uh what is that ESPN athletic magazine espn yeah like that's huge you know like it's clearly entered the mainstream so i feel like when certain things pop up and they're all of a sudden just like here i don't know i don't know why i'm fascinated by esports i would never play like video games to that yeah. extent but it's just so interesting that like people go to stadiums and they go like watch these people and i it's just a crazy world but um and, i guess well, and real quick on that point like ninja makes over a million dollars a month on twitch subscription revenue alone so that's just the people that pay the five dollars to subscribe to him or pay the there's three tiers now so it's like a five a ten and a 25 but still million dollars a month revenue just on those subscriptions that doesn't include the donations the bits all of the sponsor deals that he has that's just subscription revenue i know it's crazy it's crazy i mean i heard that guy like streams for like seven hours a day or something i don't know that's kind of i know but that's that seems unsustainable but i guess if that's your job i guess if you were an athlete you'd be training a majority of the day so if you're a professional gamer you have to game most of the day yeah but yeah wild um so to kind of transition out of that point in your life kind of what what led you what were you doing like what was the job previous to urban misfit ventures and then um kind of go into like i guess the early planning stages of urban misfit ventures and kind of how it all came to be yeah, so I dropped out of college after two years of graphic design. I just, I didn't think there was a market for me in graphic design in the Milwaukee area. And I didn't really want to bounce from internship to internship, not really being happy, not really fulfilling any part of myself creatively. And I, I could make YouTube thumbnails. I couldn't really make like professional illustrator fonts and things like that. So like, I kind of just gave up on that to an extent willingly then I transitioned to a few local jobs just to kind of keep myself sustained and find where I'd fall and things like that. And my pre my most previous job was actually doing low voltage in old age communities. So I would go into like a retirement community and hang their TV dish and install their security cameras and their mag locks for the doors and the pennants that they wear around their necks to make sure that they don't wander off sort of thing. So it it was really nice because I got to see a lot of the country. I got to travel. I got to do a lot of things. It was looking back on it now, a good thing, but the schedule was super, super inconsistent. I could be called like if it was still at the L job, I could be called right now to have to drive six hours tomorrow morning, first thing in the morning to go fix one room. Like it's just, that was kind of the nature of it. So it taught me a lot about like, yo, you're probably not going to ever have a consistent schedule again, as long as you live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's kind of crazy so for you um it seems like you taking that job was it kind of just like all right well i at that point i'm guessing you kind of were already familiar with like more technical gear and like comfortable with cameras all that stuff um but for you at that point in your life was it just kind of like i need a job i need to support myself so this will do or like did you see it as a temporary thing 
I saw it as a temporary thing. It worked out really well because my fiance lives in Canada. So we're doing the whole long distance thing. So I, I could be gone for a week in Atlanta or whatever and still Skype her at night. It really wasn't like a big disconnect. So it really was kind of like a good fit for me at the time. And it was weekly salary. It was more than I'd ever made. So it was it was nice. It was exactly what I needed at the time. I knew inside it wasn't going to be a long-term thing. I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. It was fun. I liked it, but it just wasn't my passion. So any day that I had off, any time that I had off, I hustled. I grinded. I took photos. I got, you know, continued on the sponsorship deals that I got as a Twitch streamer and as a YouTuber. And I built my personal brand and learned those things to then I'll just kind of segue right into it, you know, to have someone like you find me on social media and like what I do and want to talk and want to meet and want to work together. So it was kind of fun in that way. Yeah, that's awesome. And to anyone that doesn't know, um, Quentin, well, I don't know. I don't know who's going to go first in terms of episodes. So you guys might already hear his story first, or you might hear Eric's story first, but just to preface it quentin is a linkedin well he started off as a linkedin content creator and now um he's a he's the founder of the urban misadventures and that's that's correct right founder and what what is his position i guess within urban yeah misadventures? so q brema uh brema brema on linkedin izzy lugo and myself are all co-founders so okay. he q is the ceo of the whole business Okay, cool. Very cool. Um, so yeah, how did you guys meet? How did that story go? Did was it like an instant like, oh, I like as soon as you guys met, did you kind of see yourself like this is someone I can go into business with? Yeah, I, I actually did. Um, Q reached out to me on Twitter and was like, "Yo, I really like your stuff. Let's talk." And I was like, "Cool." Like, I don't know when, but yeah, we'll totally find a time or something. Like, that sounds fun. And we actually met at a networking event that's held once a month. And I'll I'll never forget, he came up to me and he's like, we're finally here. He was maybe a little bit more inebriated than he would be in a normal conversation, but that's okay. That's cute. And then, uh, so we were talking and he's like, what do you want to do for a living? And I'm like, I mean, I want to do something creative, but I don't really know where that lies. I don't really know what that means, but I just know I want to do something creative. That's really my passion. He's like, what is, what? what what can you do tomorrow to to get there like what is what does tomorrow look like for you and i'm like i don't know like it's that's still my old job i could be called literally right now to go fly to gosh knows where to do gosh knows what and he's like do you want to work for the man or be the man and i thought <laughs> about that question for a long time because initially like there's parts of me that like both and there's parts of me that are content with both but at the same time there's a big part of you that wants to either be the boss of yourself or let your life be controlled. And it got to a point where I felt like with the way the schedule worked out with my old job, I felt like I was more being controlled than in control. I couldn't plan freelance gigs because I could, there was an example of, I just booked like a $1,500 freelance gig for the next day because I thought I had off. And then the second I hung up after booking that, completely booking it with the client, I got an email, yo, you got to drive four hours first thing in the morning. So I had to call him back and cancel. So there's just, you know, I thought about it really long and hard after a few days and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I need to make a change and it's, it's the right time to make a change. So got in touch with him. We met up, 
Thank God he didn't charge me because I would like, honestly, if he would have charged me what he gets for what he did for me, I would have said, no, I don't have the money and would never have gotten this far. So super, super blessed for that, whether or not he knows that or not. I never really brought that up to him, but yeah. So we met and, and he's like, let's just do a LinkedIn video. I'm like, man, like what the heck is LinkedIn, man? Like get out of here with that. It's a professional's network. I am not no professional. Like don't even try and do this. He's like, let's just make a video. Like, all right. So I made a video together and the Q effect happened, you know, 5,000 views just because Q's in it sort of thing. And he's like, now build on that. Like, what does that mean? Just, just go, just do like, no, what does that mean? Like, what is my, what do I do tomorrow? And he's like, make another video. So I made another video. Then I made another video. Then I made 90 straight days of video. And now, you know, part of the community that is kind of like the second wave, because I think like Q and Goldie and those creators were kind of like the first wave. And, and then myself came along for the second wave. And then, you know, you have now like a third and a fourth wave coming up now. And it it was crazy. It was just crazy because it was so quick. I mean, really everything, like I have not ever in my life seen Q, talked to Q, anything with Q until only February. That was only six months ago that I first ever met him. And all of this has transpired since. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy how much can change in a in a matter of months, like people don't realize it. And it's funny that I literally right before this interview, I watched one of Q's videos and he was like, people underestimate or overestimate what can happen in the short term and underestimate what yeah. can happen in the long term, Some, something like that. And I was like, yeah. wow, that's so true. Because um, even like myself, I, I think like, I think back to like even December and, and what I thought my future was going to look like. And now what I think my future is going to look like. And I have no idea, honestly, in, in either situation, I thought I wanted to do something. And it's just crazy. You, you you think in your head that you have like this perfect plan and like it's it literally can change. It changes from week to week. I remember I had this like focus. I was like, all right, because I'm a very like uh, my friend says I have popcorn brain because like I get a okay. lot of ideas and like I want to like execute all of them. But like yeah. I don't have enough time to. And so I just get distracted like but it's not a bad distraction because it's like always working on something but um so yeah I was like no I I'm gonna stay focused on this one thing and then the next week happened and like all this different stuff like derailed it but I think as long as you're working on something and you see the future and the value and whatever you're working in like that's just really key to keep in mind and if you need to pivot like that's totally fine um so you make 100 videos right like what was that process like kind of touch on was it easy every day? Like, did you have days where you really didn't want to post? Like wh what was kind of, cause that was, a, that was essentially, I guess for you was, was that kind of like, this is how I'm going to build my brand on LinkedIn. It was. And I didn't really know what that brand would become. Like I, I started making videos and I was like, Hugh, I have no idea what I like, what's my angle. And he's like, that's up to you to figure out. And again, I'm like, why do you just ask these questions that don't have answers? Like, stop with this nonsense. But he was right. You know, I built a brand on people that didn't know how to make videos. And there was definitely, I think, during that time, a lot of people that were just making videos from their phones. And there was kind of this revolution of people that started to come up that actually had camera equipment and knew how to make a video and knew how to edit. 
And I wanted to kind of spearhead that operation and, and tell people like, yo, it's okay if you have a phone because the, the best camera is the one that's in your pocket all the time. It's whatever's on you is what you should use. So I was trying to find that balance of not alienating those that only had phones, especially older phones that didn't look as good. And then bringing in this pe this wave of people that were content creators. Because I think now with this, there's a lot of people on LinkedIn that are now 18, 19, 20 through whatever years old that are like, maybe I just try my own thing before I go to college. Or maybe I just try my own content and branding myself before I try doing it for a nine to five job, maybe. And there's this really cool thing that's happening on LinkedIn right now. And doing what was called the daily dids at the time was super, super hard because it, like at first it was easy. Cause you know, you have like those 10, 15 stories from your life that you can be like, yeah, I'm just going to share this right now. Why not? But after a while, it got to the point of just like, I had a notepad that Anytime I would think of something, I'd write it down. And if I needed a topic, I'd look at that notepad and like if whatever hit me that I could talk about for an extended period of time, I just did that. But it got to a point where I, I mean, I still have that notepad. It has maybe 20 things written down, but none of them like hit me and they just didn't. So like one to 30 was cool because I was meeting all these people and like everybody wanted to talk on the phone and there's like oh my gosh all this fun stuff and it was the first social media platform that like like I have thousands on Twitter and Instagram that are cool but like there's no real conversations happening it's just liking content and retweeting content but like LinkedIn you woke up and you had messages from people that wanted to talk and messages from people that wanted to hear your story and wanted to work together and help each other out and it was so selfless and I was so taken away by that that like I woke up every morning excited like oh who's who's commenting on my video let me talk to people what's going on here but day like 30 to 60 was kind of that okay, I'm finding myself. This is where I'm at. I still had my old job at the time. So I could, I would go through days where I'd record seven videos just because I didn't know when the next time I would be able to was, which quality definitely suffered. But for me at the time it was, I committed to this and I'm going to do it. I told that to my Twitch stream and I couldn't do it. And I lost, I went from 150 concurrent viewers to 10 because I didn't keep my schedule. I didn't have the consistency and I knew that if I did the same thing on LinkedIn, I'd be dead because that's just the nature of the beast. So I did 90 straight days and I didn't know when it would stop, but I figured 90 days, nobody would be upset if I did stop. And now, you know, with the business, we're still doing six uploads a week. They're not all video, but we're still pushing six times a week. So it taught me a lot about just condensing the process. I was able to, at the time, record, edit, upload in 30 minutes. Just because I knew that my topic was three minutes. I had all my assets. I knew how to cut, cut, music, throw it all together, spit it out. Yeah, and that's definitely the thing about LinkedIn video is like, for the most part, like right now, and I honestly don't know if it'll ever get fancy, but like you really don't have to be fancy about it. So yeah, in terms of like just getting out the content, you can do it super fast. I don't know. It never takes me 30 minutes, though. I always get hung up on something, but um, maybe I'll get there. I can't imagine, though. That's crazy. Like straight days of like creating 90 straight days of creating content. I thought I was doing good once a week, but that that's really impressive. It's really impressive. Um, so and and so you meet Q, right? You do the the 90 days of LinkedIn content creation, and then from there, are you guys kind of like formulating a plan in the background to kind of say? okay, well, 
you know, LinkedIn is clearly, we're gaining traction here. You know, maybe there's some doors that are opening up now. When was that kind of pivot point where you said, all right, I have to quit my job and I'm going to do this full time? Yeah, so he approached me with this idea that he had tried in the past. So like last December or so, he kind of started a little bit of what we're doing now, but it just didn't really fall through. There were some issues that had happened and, and he was kind of on his own for a little bit just consulting. And then he built this back up and found the right people that he knew he wanted to work with. That was myself. That was Izzy. That was Brema. And we he basically just one day came to me like, I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen. This is my idea. I think you're great for this. Let's just make it happen. And I was like, okay, this, like, I always knew I could be my own boss. And I always knew that I wanted to, like, be the businessy entrepreneur guy. But, okay, so now I have to think about quitting my job. And that makes me really anxious. <laughs> but it was the right thing to do. And, you know, he was like, I've told a lot of people to make LinkedIn videos and to make them consistently. You're like the only one that's made them consistently, let alone 90 days consistently. Yeah, that that definitely shows that you you're dedicated and uh, and you actually took his advice seriously, right? Because I feel like with someone like you and even I'm sure yourself or someone me, right, as content creators on LinkedIn, like people constantly reach out for advice, like, oh, I'm in this situation, like I saw that you were here, how can I get there? And it's like you can give advice to people till like you're blue in the face, but if oh, yeah. someone actually takes your advice, like or doesn't take your advice. Like it's never going to manifest into anything. And I think that's also something that it's hard, right? Because you want to help everyone. But the reality is you really don't know if you're helping people or if people just need need to hear the same advice over and over again. So I think that's probably something that really struck Q is because he could actually see that you executed all what he was talking about. All right. So then you uh, decide to to ultimately leave your leave your job. It sounds like a a crazy job. And so how does that schedule of that job look uh, in terms of, because it seems like it was really fluctuating in terms of now, like being your own boss and everything like that. How's it been, I guess, growing the business? And I mean, you don't have to go into the specifics, but in terms of like challenges for yourself, were there ever times that you were like, um, you know, this, this is a lot harder than I thought it would be? I haven't like, I definitely feel like we're all at capacity. But I say that and I don't mean that in a bad way or in a desperate way. Like we're all at capacity and it's nice because, you know, over the course of this, you know, you start and I didn't know Q is your bread when we started this. And, you know, Q approached me first and then he's like, I have this college roommate of mine that's just this great salesman. And then Izzy came aboard and then we saw Brema's work and we like... We're like, we just need a Brema. So we went, we got a Brema. So like now Brema's a part of the team and none of us really knew each other other than Q and Izzy. So there's definitely this fear of, would the culture be okay? Can we work together sort of thing? And really quickly, it just became this thing where just the selflessness was there. And like, to this day, it just blows my mind. Like never once has there been like a, you know, you didn't put enough effort into X, Y, or Z. Like just the amount of time that we all put in and the amount of effort that we all put in, like we all gave up paychecks and we all gave up safe jobs and sort of things to follow our dreams. And that's just the most beautiful thing about it. So yeah, I mean, it was just, it was crazy to, to go through that. And challenge wise, I mean, it's really just been like, for me personally, I was never really, 
worried about if my content was good enough, but more so like I knew that I'm streaming and I've been in front of streaming audiences, but I've never been in front of a CEO of a multi-million dollar company. I've never been in front of people that move the money yet. So it was kind of like, that was really my challenge of just how do I conduct myself? Like, thankfully I had all of this camera experience through Twitch and through YouTube and through LinkedIn video and like talking to a camera wasn't foreign to me, but when it's a person that can make or break a whatever $50,000 deal, it's like, I have to not mess up. So there's definitely a different element behind that. So what are some things that you might have told yourself uh, back in high school? I think for me, it, it really just comes down to don't be afraid to create. You know, I, I started a YouTube channel and like I wasn't good. I got a lot of criticism and, you know, I was still still shy. So I kind of came back into my shell and I stopped creating. But, you know, once I started to consistently create and like I, I had strokes of genius on all the platforms that I was on, but I never really cashed in any of those. And a lot of it was me just not following through. Like a lot of it is my own self to blame. Like I was getting more viewers on Twitch. I was getting more traction on YouTube. I was able to pull in the biggest names in esports just by taking photos of their products and stuff like that. So really for high school, Eric, it's just don't like, I, I want to go back. Everybody says they want to go back to high school, but they don't. And like I do because I, I want to see what, who I would how it would be different with how charismatic I am now like I mean I was the hands down the least popular kid in school like hands down bar none no questions asked I not to say that I wanted to be popular but I wanted somebody to want to pick me first for a group project like I never had that so I'd be curious to see what difference I would have charismatically and uh, I know you made a post about this and kind of just to to go off that, but what do you think were some things that really helped you develop that self-confidence that you have now? Really, it just was streaming on Twitch. Like, it's so weird how that works. And I can't believe that I'm saying that and attributing that to Twitch streaming, but it got to the point where I was streaming on Twitch. And like I said, I knew I wasn't good at video games, but I knew that I could put a smile on people's faces. And there was a specific moment where one of my viewers came to me really early on in my Twitch career and said, you know, I haven't been in your streams lately. I've been diagnosed with leukemia. And I'm like, gosh, Dean, here's this 14 year old kid that's got freaking cancer. And I messaged him back like right away. Like, what can we do? Like, send me, send me your nearest hospital. Like let's raise money for it. And it turns out that one of the charities that I want to say it was Extra Life at the time, Extra Life for Kids donates to was actually his hospital. So I did like a 12-hour stream. And ironically enough, the creator of the game Five Nights at Freddy's came and donated $1,000. So I was able to raise like $2,000. And like a month or so later, I actually got a message from him like, doing well, leukemia is good, everything's on track to be fine, I'll be okay. I did notice the money come through, not specifically for me, but in clerical things for nursing staff and, you know, stuff like that. I started to realize, okay, this is why I'm here. This is why. Yeah, that's crazy. That's really, that's really awesome that you did that. And I don't know, I guess it's, it sounds like what was really important for you was just like having that realization that you can make an impact. And I think, for a lot of people, that is uh, something that takes time to develop because impact is something that you have to be like 
so consistent on. It's like, it's not like you're going to post one video and, and someone's life is going to change, right? It's like posting like a hundred videos and then, you know, you tell, then people can see where you actually started and now where you are. And they're like, wow, it was really inspirational to see your journey because now I can do that too. So it's just about documenting that. Um, but I, I agree. It's, it's pretty crazy what can happen in a matter of months. Um, so as we wrap up here, what are some things that you would like the audience to check out? Where can they find you? Stuff like that. So definitely check out uh, what we do with Urban Misfit Ventures. Any social media, MK Misfits, is where you'll find us. That's Instagram. That's LinkedIn. That's Facebook. That's YouTube. That is Twitter. That is any other platform that I forgot to mention. We might do some Twitch streaming in the future. I'm trying to push that. We'll see where that goes. That'll be really fun to have some competitive in-office video gaming together. Um, but that's where you can find us. Me personally, um, Dids Live, D-I-D-S-L-I-V-E on all social media platforms as well, except LinkedIn, which is my full name, Eric Didier. Um, that's, yeah. Feel free to follow along. Photography, videography, fun stuff, random stuff. Yeah, all that fun stuff. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have all that stuff linked below. And that's pretty much it, guys. Oh, Eric, another thing that I heard on a podcast that someone did, and uh, this is totally putting you on the spot here, so I'm just going to give you Do a it. heads up. Do you have any question that you would like to ask me? Ooh, Interesting. The question I always ask people when, like, I don't know what to ask is, did you do something today that when your head hits the pillow tonight, you're one step closer to your goal? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I say that I say that's something I'm good about is like pretty much every day I do something to work on my goals. And, I, and that's something that I can say proudly. I never like have said that. To, I like that because you made me feel better about myself in that yeah, moment. Because, yes. um, yeah, I guess I don't realize like. Yeah, pretty much every day I always work on something. It, it, it varies because I have so many different projects. And um, but yeah, every day I, 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 I see opportunity. I think I'm just someone that's really passionate about um, just uh, the future. I just always get excited about the future and what the future can look like. So um, well, for and me, you, alluded, I, you alluded to oh, it before, like you do stuff in your free time that benefits you long-term. Like for me, creating content when I had other jobs, when I, I mean, full-time jobs, I still came home and made YouTube videos with family life, with, you know, being in a relationship and all that stuff. Like 2013, Eric learned things making YouTube videos that now 2018, Eric is using as a business owner. Yeah, no, it's true. I, it's, it's totally about setting yourself up. And uh, I think there's a lot of great lessons people can learn from creating content. And I hope that's something that people kind of uh, pick up on in my journey as well as your own journey. Because I think it really just shows the value of what can happen when you create on a consistent basis. And um, it doesn't have to be the only thing you do, but adding it to the mix is pretty game changing. So thank you to anyone that is still listening. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, make sure to leave a review and subscribe. Peace out.